The recent passing of Aboriginal singer-songwriter Uncle Archie Roach hit the Indigenous community hard. Many observe the irony that during a period when significant progress is being made on developing a voice to Parliament, we lost one of our greatest voices. Down city streets, I would roam. I had no bed, I had no home. Crawl out of bushes early morning. Use newspapers to keep me warm. Then I'd have to score a drink Start me up, help me to think Down city streets I would roll Use my fingers as a cold In those days when I was young Drinking and fighting was no fun It was daily living for me I had no choice, it was meant to Down city streets, I would roam. I had no bed, I had no home. There was nothing that I children of my own Now I have something I call my own These are my children And this is my home I look around And understand How street kids feel when they put them down to the streets, I would go. I had no bed, I had no home. If there was nothing that I I would roll 
That was the late Uncle Archie Roach with Down City Streets. The song was written by his late wife, Ruby Hunter, and tells the all-too-common experience of Indigenous urban disadvantage. This is Speaking Out. That's the key to it all, keeping connected to country. On ABC Radio. Late last month saw the passing of Aboriginal songwriter, artist and activist Uncle Archie Roach. Archie, a Gunditjmara and Bundjalung elder, was born in the mid-1950s, removed from his parents and sent to live with a foster family at age four. After two unpleasant placements in foster care, Archie was eventually fostered by a family of Scottish immigrants in Melbourne. Following the death of his birth mother, Uncle Archie fell into a life of addiction and petty crime, and music was his way out. In 1990, his song Took the Children Away brought attention to the impact of the removal of Indigenous children from their families, becoming an anthem for the stolen generations. There are few Australian voices in the debate on social justice and Indigenous welfare that resonated as strongly as Archie Roach's. In 2000, he was awarded a Human Rights Achievement Award and in 2015, he was made a member of the Order of Australia for his services to music and social justice. In November 2019, Uncle Archie sat down with ABC journalist, producer and presenter Daniel Browning to celebrate the release of his memoir, Tell Me Why. Archie, thank you for writing this book. And in the prologue, there's a note that gets delivered to you when you're at school in Lilyfield in outer Melbourne, 1970, and it triggers much of what happens in the story, your life story. And it's a letter from one of your sisters, Myrtle. And the return address? Um, one Toxteth Road, Glebe. Yeah. Number one Toxteth Road, one Glebe. One Toxteth Road, Glebe, yeah. It's not too far from where we sit. That's right, it's up the road. Across the park? Yeah. And what's it like being back here? Because you know these, these streets. You lived here, spent a lot of time in Belmore Park. You know these streets very well. It's a little um, surreal actually being here at this very moment when we're talking about a book, this book, memoir, and then the, the letter I received from, from my sister Myrtle uh, with the return address being just up the road. It's really, yeah, it's, uh, it's peculiar, it's odd feeling, yeah. Before you got that note, you weren't Archie Roach. You were some other person. You were. I was Archie Cox. Used the name of my, my dear foster parents, Alex and Dulcie Cox. Yeah. But you went to the office and you you'd been summoned to the office. There was an, an Archibald Roach, or an Archie Roach had been asked for, mm. and this letter was for this Archie Roach. Yeah. So you went to the office. You had a feeling. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I had, um, you know, I'd been using Archie Cox for... I went to the Coxes when I was about, I don't know, uh, six or seven, and uh, I was about 14 when that letter came to the high school, Lilydale, Lily, Lilydale High School. And, um, you know, when I said Archibald, William Roach, I knew my name was, full name was Archibald, uh, and Roach... Even though I'd been using Cox for a while, I, uh, Roach was uh, a name that sounded very familiar. Yeah, so 
I, I figured that it was for me. Yeah. And that story about the, the letter is where this memoir begins. It's the prologue. Mm. And you, you did that for a particular reason because that's the dawn of, of your understanding of, of your becoming Archie Roach, the man yes. you always were, the person you always were. That's right. That's right. It's, uh, it uh, set me off on this journey. Well, not straight away, but it had me questioning um, who I was and why I was only the predicament that I was in, uh, which I didn't think was a predicament. It was just uh, until that that I came. I, it certainly, um, yeah, it had me wondering and, and, and guessing as to who this person was that sent the letter and who I actually was. <laughs> I was going to ask you to read from the, the prologue. Did you want to do that or would you like to just talk about it? Oh, we, we could do it if we've got time, do you think? Oh, what do you reckon? <clears throat> <laughs> oh, here we go. Yes, sir. Uh, prologue. Lilydale, Melbourne, 1970. Sometimes you can go years without really changing as, as a person. Maybe you get a little rounder, a little uh, balder, but inside you're the same man, same values, same hopes, pretty much the same bloke. Sometimes, though, it can all change in a day. In the morning, you have one life ahead of you, and in the afternoon, another. That happened to me once, when I was a boy. I was in Mrs. Peter's English class, one of my favourites. Minding my own business, which was something I used to be very good at. Then that moment came. She's the rickety old speaker in the classroom. Could Archibald William Roach come to the office, please? Archibald William Roach. Thank you. The message didn't, did, the message didn't mean much of anything to Mrs. Peters or the other children. There was, there was no Archibald William Roach at the school, but it had me squirming around in my seat like it was a stove. Archie Cox had been my name for as long as I could remember, or so I thought. I tried to go back to my work after the, me the message, but couldn't. My eyes glazed over, and all I could hear was that name, Archibald William Roach. Afterwards, something deep in me started to take over. This something had been in, in me pretty much as long as I could remember. It had tried to take over before, when I was alone in the bush, or when I was listening to certain sad and lovely music. It whispered in my ear, trying to tell me about another world and another life. I was usually good at ignoring those whispers, but on this day I couldn't. I wanted to stay in my seat and finish my day, live Archie Cox's life. I think that message is for me, I said, standing. 
Mrs. Peters was a, a lovely old lady. She loved my writing, especially my poetry, and would encourage me to share my work in front of the class. But I would stumble through it, embarrassed. She saw, she saw something in me, though, in my love of words. She still had her Canadian accent, but had been living in Australia long enough to know something, that something wasn't quite right. You'd better go then, she said. When I got to the office, the secretary asked if I was Archibald William Roach. I don't know why I knew that name was mine, but by then I knew it was. I told the secretary that that was, was me, and she passed me a letter that seemed to vibrate in my hands. Across from the counter was a wooden bench for students awaiting punishment. And there I sat, staring at the envelope. The front read, Archibald William Roach, care of Lilydale High School, 25 Melbourne Avenue, Lilydale, Victoria. The boy I started the day was as would have handed the letter back and explained that he'd made a mistake. He would have said this letter wasn't for him and he would have gone back to his class, back to his schoolwork, back to his house, where his guitar and supper and parents were waiting for him. I took the letter out of the envelope and unfolded it. <clears throat> Dear brother, <clears throat> dear brother, <clears throat> dear brother, your dear old mum passed away a week ago. Her name was Nellie Austin and she had been living in Sylvan. Your other brothers and sisters are Johnny, Alma, Lawrence, Gladys and Diana. Your dad already, already passed away and his name was Archie too. I thought it was time to get in touch with you. Love Myrtle. The world started to spin with names and faces and thoughts and songs and feelings that were brand new and also old and familiar. I saw a dormitory packed with beds and black children. I saw two girls, big girls, bigger than me anyway. I saw their names, Gladys, Gladys and Diana. These were my sisters. It was also suddenly vivid. I flipped the envelope over and saw a return address. Myrtle Evans, one Toxteth Road, Glebe, Sydney, New South Wales. I folded up the letter, tucked it into my school bag, and dragged my feet to a classroom that was no longer mine. 
in Archie Cox's favourite class. I stared past his essay and thought of my dead mother. I thought about my father too, also dead. I thought of the brothers and sisters that I knew nothing of and about my name. I thought about Toxist Road, Glebe, Sydney. Is everything all right, Archie? Mrs. Mrs. Peter asked quietly. It took me a little while to reply. I'm not sure. I reckon that was the last thing Archie Cox ever said. Thank you. I know that that wasn't easy, but there's many, many things in this memoir that aren't easy. And in, in writing a story uh, like this, your life story, mm. you've had to confront a whole, like there's a lot of, there's a, an immense amount of joy and, yeah. and pleasure and you find it in the oddest places, Archie, but you do have to confront some very hard things. That's right. And it also involved for you, you know, a search in the archives. But how did you get, how did you get through? How did you navigate that process? Um, what gets through the process of? Of just confronting, you know, on a daily basis when you're sitting there at the computer. It, was, um, it wasn't easy. It was hard to, 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 to realise that, um, especially reading some of the files from the, when they came through the freedom of information um, and realising that total strangers um, uh, had control or you know, uh, determined where I should live, who I should be with, just not to, to you know, I was secluded. I was secluded from, from Aboriginal people. There was no other Aboriginal people that where I was sent and where I, I lived and so there was nobody else I could c compare mm. myself to or with. So it was, it, it took me back to those times and it took me back to the time when I just thought I was just like, because I lived in the place where, with the Coxes, my, my, my foster parents, it was uh, a lot of new, new Australians, we used to call them back then, new Australians. And uh, some people call them refugees today. But they were new Australians, Italian, Greek, Dutch, all sorts of people that became the workforce, you know, that, that built a lot of the cities. And, or, or, you know, confronting that, that past when, when I was first, you know, I took a friend home and, and, and he wondered why my, my, my parents were white and I was black and... I didn't realise I was black, and so it, it brought up all those those memories, and I was taken right back. This memoir is full of something which I don't think I could manage, and that is forgiveness. There's a lot of forgiveness in in yeah. this memoir. Yes. How did you turn that particular corner to be in a position where you had enough left emotionally and spiritually to forgive? There's some things. Uh, 
but you know, just a lot of stuff that you won't forget. But um, you can forgive people, and it wasn't so much about um, forgiving them so that they could feel better. The forgiving part for me was a, to forgive them so that I could feel better, so that I could heal. But it helped me, you know, friends are good friends. Uh, music was a way to express myself and to, to talk about things or to bring up things that in the past I, I get drunk and a negative way of, of, uh, of, of dealing with it, negative way of trying to process the pain and the, the trauma through alcohol and uh, getting into fights and, and hurting yourself and trying to hurt other people is just no good. So um, I found out after I stopped drinking and that, that, um, that that certainly wasn't the way to go and uh, to be a bit kinder to myself. And so, yeah, I, I, like I said in the first place, Daniel, it was about me getting better and healing the forgiveness part. I couldn't hold on to that. So I, I just let that go. Mm. I said, fair enough. Uh, I can forgive you for that. You misguided attempts at trying to, you know, uh, save the Aboriginal people from themselves. And uh, there was an interesting thing though, Daniel. I said, uh, I just mentioned this. There was a song I wrote about a young bloke by the name of Louis St. John Johnson who got murdered in, in Perth. By, by, by a car load of uh, um, white boys because he was just because he was black but his adopted mother said to me he said we tried to save Louis from the misery of his people yet we couldn't save him from the misery of mine and I, I took that to heart and it has a lot to do with my forgiveness, yeah. There's something that's implicit in all your songs, and that's hope, mm-hmm. you know, because if, and in this book as well, because in order to create, what we are actually doing is we are, it's hope manifests, isn't it? It's like, yeah. I'm doing this because I have hope. Yes, so. What do you hope for your, for your children, your grandchildren, and what do you hope for this country? I'm the best, you know. I hope that, you know, that we all heal and heal together as people, as a nation, and uh, come to a better understanding of one another. Uh, And it takes us getting off our backsides and and, uh, meeting people and talking to them. And there's some angry people out there, black, white, and brindle. But we've got to yeah, look past that and uh, get close to the ones that want to, to come together, that want to heal past wounds.
you know, and forge ahead and write a new story for this country. And we can all be authors of that new story uh, where, where we can uh, heal past wounds together. And uh, it'll take a little while, but we can start. Yeah, and that's what I hope for, <clears throat> for this country, for my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, that they, they, uh, they're living you know, in, in the most beautiful country in, on this earth, Australia. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful country, you know. And I believe that, you know, there's a lot of good and beautiful people that live in this country. And uh, we need to work towards achieving, you know, achieving that for our children, our grandchildren, so that they can, you know, look back at the past and, and think, why would they ever do that? Here we are all together. And uh, that's what I hope for anyway. That's what I have for a long time and believe that we all come from a place that is not too different to the similar place. Our beginnings were, were the exact same place, place of fire or fireplace. And some people left, some people stayed, mm-hmm. some people came back to that place. And, uh, you know, if people realise, you know, retrace their footsteps and come back, you know, to, to a place of, uh, of fire where we, you know, understood where we was one people. Because all tribes spread out from one, you know, whoever was leading that people, those people, out from that place of fire, they became, belonged to that fellow's tribe or this fellow's tribe or that person's tribe. But they first come from the original tribe and that's all of us. That's what I hope people realise in this country. For my children, my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. That's Uncle Archie Roach speaking with ABC journalist, producer and presenter... Daniel Browning. As the world's oldest living culture, our tradition of storytelling goes back into deep time. Archie Roach was a modern-day storyteller cloaked in this tradition, as he now takes that final journey to be with his ancestors and his beloved Ruby Hunter. He leaves us with the gift of his generosity and dignity in fighting for his truth. He will be deeply missed by us all. The story's right, the story's true I would not tell lies to you Like the promise said they did not keep And how they fenced us in like sheep Said to us, come take our hand Set us up on mission and Told us to read, to write and pray then they took the children away, took the children away, the children away. Snap.